0: I figured, uh, last time I preached it was kind of a ringer. Was it one of those tough ones? I, you know when you preach and you're like, ooh, like, you, you know what I mean? And it's not because it's like condemning or I come down on you with like wrath and fire. It's just because the word of the Lord itself just speaks to your heart and you see yourself in that and you're like, I need improvement. <laughs> I need growth. Lord Jesus, I need grace. And so so this, so you know, as, as I was praying and seeking the Lord on this, I'm like, this is something that just needs, we need to be reminded of. And so we're coming out of the passage of Romans chapter 14, verse 17. So if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be reading out of the NIV. It'll also be up on the screens for you today. And Paul gives us kind of, he's giving in, in Romans 14, we're going to even break down a few of the verses that I didn't put up there. He's just kind of giving uh, just some instructions to the Romans on. On what the kingdom of God is and what it is not. And this is what he says in verse 17. He says, uh, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but, say but, say big but, big but, but (laughs) of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is of say this, say righteousness, right? Peace, say peace, Joy joy in the Holy Spirit. So so what does that mean? What is this? And so let's just kind of break down that verse a little bit. So he says the kingdom of God is not. And then he says a matter of eating and drinking. So if we go to a few verses before this, I don't actually have this up on the screens. So you're going to have to turn your Bible, or, your, or you're going to have to open up you version, because I want to actually read the first four verses of Romans 14. Now I'm actually going to read out of the ESV. So you've got you to skip there. Say amen when you get there. Say hold up if you need more time. Okay. <laughs> hold We're going to read verse 1 through 4, yeah. So, I love that so many people actually bring their Bibles to church. I don't even bring mine. You guys are awesome. I mean, I have, I, I've, I've moved electronically, obviously. It just makes it easier for me for preaching this stuff. So, you there? Everyone there? All right. Verse 1. It says, As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Let's say that again. <laughs> As for the one weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person only eats vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. And then this verse 4, this is one of those little smack ones. It says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord and is able to make him stand. So, so he's just saying that what can happen, or at least what's happening in the Roman church, is they're quarreling they're over what you can eat and what you can't eat. So some are like, we can eat it whatever we want to. The Lord has blessed it all. And others were like, no, we're only going to eat Vegetables. And I just love that he gives kind of perspectives on both. And he says, let that the, let not the one who abstains let them not despise the one, and then the one or, or, or the one who uh, de- uh, abstains. They say, you know, the, well we, we don't eat that. Let them not judge the one who does, and the one who the one who does do it. Let them not despise the one who doesn't. So it just kind of gives perspective on the person who maybe they say, I can eat meat. I'm good. Not looking at the one who doesn't eat meat and then looking and despising them or the one who's like, I don't eat meat. I'm better than you. Uh, I only eat vegetables and then cast judgment on them because that's what we do in the in the house of God. As we look at what we're doing and we look at what they're doing and we say we're better. Come on, somebody say amen. Not amen to yourself because we do do that. We say we're better, we do this right, we do this better, so we are better than them. And friends, let me just say out of all of that, we're looking uh, at at a false narrative and we're looking with the wrong scales because the only one that we're supposed to ever judge ourselves to is Jesus. And so if, so when I, when I compare myself to people it's very easy for me to say, well, I'm better than them. Or they're better than me in this way. But th- that's it. We're, looking, <laughs> we're looking in the wrong place uh, to begin with. The only one that we're supposed to compare ourselves, the only one that we're to conform to, the only one that we're growing in likeness of is Christ. The thing I love about discipleship is, you know, when you disciple someone. I remember when I first committed my life to Christ, and I had a lot of men of God pour into my life. I think I even preach like some of them. I even pray like some of them. And there were some, what can I word? How can I say this? Let's say um, there were some restrictions that they had on their life that I automatically put on my life because they were discipling me and they were pouring into me, not realizing later that those restrictions I put on my life was actually just religion. For example, one of them was, and I'll, I'll just put this out here, and this is so silly, and you may think this is so funny, is, uh, you know, uh, my mentors and stuff, they were, they were like against like, like Christmas trees, and like Christmas, Christmas order, like, like that whole thing, like, yes, you know, let's celebrate, you know, Jesus's birth and all this other stuff, but the whole thing, so like the, the people who poured into me was like anti-Christmas, tree. I mean, they even had like songs like... Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, you're nothing but idolatry. I mean, I'm serious here. <laughs> right. So I, so, I, so because they're mentoring me, right, where, where's that in the Bible, right? Because they're pouring into me, I'm like, well, the Christmas trees are the devil, you know? So I'd see Christmas trees like, you know? I'm not going to go see the big, the big idol that they put up at the zoo, you know? I mean, so you, I know it sounds funny now when you look back at it, but but what happens is, is we put restrictions on people that's not even in the Bible. I actually had to work through that. I remember, and the, and the Lord actually had to speak to me about that. You guys have heard the story, right? Probably a million times. Should I share it again? Okay, let's share it again real quick. I know it has, I don't even have this in my notes, but it's fun. So uh, just because it shows growth, I'm growing, getting better. You know, we're all growing, Right. So um, when we first planned our church at, uh, in uh, South Toledo, we actually do a lot of different outreaches. We do a lot of giveaways. So we, we actually had a connection with Walmart, and Walmart would give us a ton of just incredible things. I mean, like, the one time they gave us, like, 150 coats, and we're like, go give away, and we're giving away coats. And, you know what I mean? They would just, like, give us all kinds of stuff. Well, one year, they decided they, were, they gave us, like, 17 Christmas trees. I mean, like, in the box, like, brand-new Christmas trees. They are like, I don't know, they must have had a like an overstock, and they were like, can you use Christmas trees? And, and I was taught that anytime somebody offers you something as an inner city ministry, you say yes. So they're like, do you want Christmas trees? I'm like, yes, we'll take them. you know. And I'm like, we'll give them away. We'll give away all the Christmas trees. So, you know, we're giving away Christmas trees. Uh, we had a lady, an uh, incredible, awesome woman we've got, who used to do all of our decorations at our church and stuff. And she said, Pastor Josh, I know you have a thing about Christmas trees. <laughs> uh-huh. she, you know what? I mean... She said, but I think, you know, we don't have to decorate it. It will just look nice and, you know, just the soft white lights. And we'll just put them in the foyer and, and it'll just kind of give like a soft little ambiance. And I'm like, I can't say no to this woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's, she's like, you know, older woman of God. I look at her kind of like a mother figure. I'm like, you can have whatever you want. If you want to do that, go ahead. You know, even though inside I'm just like cringing, you know. And uh, so she does that or whatever. I come into the church and what happens is, is this big Christmas trees in the back of our sanctuary. I mean, our sanctuary, uh, at our Waterville or at our South Seattle campus uh, has a, a 20, 25 foot ceilings. And so there's this big, huge 15 foot Christmas tree in the back. And so I walk in, I'm like, what the heck is this idol doing in my church? You know, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I didn't say it. And, uh, so she was like, she was like, Pastor Josh, I tried to fit it in the foyer. It was just too big. <laughs> so this is the only place we could put. It. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever and stuff. And so, uh, I remember, so we we used to have Tuesday night prayer at our, uh, they still have Tuesday night prayer there, and uh, and I remember I was praying there, and I'm just praying and listening and quiet before the Lord, and I heard the Lord say, I'm not offended at this Christmas tree, why are you? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And I had to do some soul searching, come to realize what happened was, was I put a restriction on myself that wasn't even mine. I put I put a belief on myself that wasn't even biblically accurate. And so after obviously that, then they have like now there's like four Christmas trees on in the sanctuary, you know, when Christmas time happens, there's like two on the stage and two in the back. And so, so yes, I got delivered from from the Christmas trees. But <laughs> <laughs> but the, the whole thing is is that there are there are opinions of man, right? Isn't it what it says? Quarreling of opinions. There's opinions of man. That we've adopted into our belief that we hold on to that are oaks in our belief system, but they're not even really valid. They're not even really biblical. I would say another, I would say an opinion of man that is probably in our church today. Like I said, that Christmas tree one is kind of fun. It's kind of cute. Nobody cares. But one I say that people will die over on this mountain is the way you dress a church. People will die on that mountain. You got to come to church,
1: you got to wear, you got to wear a suit and tie.
0: Right? You got to get dressed for Sunday's best. I believe that. If you want to dress in a suit and tie, do it. Absolutely. If you feel like you're honoring God by, by putting on your Sunday's best, God bless you, do it. We, uh, you know, we've always dressed casual. My pastor dressed casual. I just do. I'm wearing shirt, t shirt, and jeans. Because we don't ever want anyone to ever feel like they can't come, especially at our South Central campus. I mean, we would have, we'd have drunks walking off the street, like smell like straight alcohol, barely awake, coming in. And if I was dressed in a suit and tie, trying to greet somebody walking in on the streets, how does that make you, you know what I mean? Like, they would feel like they're out of place. And we used to have, I mean, there was some older gentlemen in our, at a uh, I remember James man he used to sit in the back corner on the left he would wear a suit and tie every sunday cuz he wanted to dress in the sunday best god bless you do it man dress how you know but for me i you know what i mean and so so that is a huge debate and then some people are like well you can just come as you are is that in the scriptures where does it say in the bible how to dress to church show it to me
1: it's an opinion
0: I heard this. Here's one more. I know I'm, I'm getting on this because we, we just have to learn this. And, and if you're tuning online, you just have to learn this. I was listening to, I think I even shared this because it, it disturbed me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. I was listening to a preacher on, it was just a little clip. It was on Facebook. And this guy, he was preaching, and he was like, huh. he was like, if you have a beard in the church, you look like the
1: world. He was like, the Lord
0: will not allow his oil to pour over you if you have a beard on your face. I mean, he's going off. And, he had, and he's, you can tell he's preaching at, at a huge conference, hundreds of people, and they're all applauding. <laughs> exactly. So Jesus Christ himself wore a beard. How do I know that? It said because they pulled his beard from his face. If a beard is good enough for Jesus. Say opinion of man. But this is what's so scary, friends. This is what's so concerning. Is that the church have adopted all of these beliefs. And and they're preaching them with, with such passion. And they're not even in the Bible. They're not even of God. And so that's why this whole, we're talking about joy in the Holy Spirit. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So they were having debates on food back in in their their days. You know, one, one eats meat, one doesn't eat meat. They have this whole thing. And so we still have debates today. We still have beliefs today. We still have things where people are trying to work through this thing. There are a lot of people that will tell you, you got to do this. You have to do
1: that. Is it in the Bible? Is it in the scriptures? Or is it rules of man?
0: I remember when, when I, again, when I first came to my life to Christ, there was all kinds of weird, wacky stuff that I adopted as part of my faith that I actually had to weed out because it was actually idiotic traditions of man stupidity we talked about this stuff right i mean we've we've told jeremy some of this stuff dude he just like cracks up laughing like seriously i mean it's so funny but you know in you know when you when when i committed my life to christ i mean i'm talking about you know i lived on you know you know drugs and street knew nothing about church wasn't raised in church so for me every little thing about god or people were speaking into my life i was grabbing a hold of i mean seriously like like stupid little things like lucky charms is bad Seriously, isn't that, isn't that ludicrous? Well, they're not blessed little marshmallows. People would tell us this stuff. They're like, I guess we're not eating Lucky Charms.
1: I eat Lucky Charms now because I'm free. <laughs> we're in the Bible to say, thou shalt not eat thy Lucky Charms.
0: doesn't. <laughs> I actually feel closer to me heritage when I eat Lucky Charms, you know? <laughs> He wants me lucky charms. I mean, I've got, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the majority of, of my heritage is Irish and Polish. So he so me wants me lucky charms. So anyways, <laughs> the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about the rules and regulations. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's not about doing this and staying away from that and doing this and staying away from that. It's not about any of these things. Yet we've made the kingdom of God about all of these matters that really are inconsequential. When we stand before the Lord, he's not going to say, you did such a good job staying away from Lucky Charms. (laughs) It's the dumbest thing I've ever (laughs) No. Look at your neighbor say, no, no, it's no, no. (laughs) Oh man, we like to add to the Bible. Think of this. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, people have been adding to the Bible because what it does is it gives you control over people and it makes you look better than them.
1: And that's exactly what it is. It is a religious
0: spirit. Be set free. We just sang those songs, friends. Be set free in the name of Jesus from all rules and regulations of man. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the word of God. I mean, the word of God is very clear on what is sin and what to, to abstain from. And then there's all of these other things that we abstain from, which... Come on, people. You get it? You feel it? What Paul is saying is the kingdom of God... It's not about rules and regulations, right? Or judging others. It's not about religion. It is sad. It is so sad that we are, are now perceived in our world as the ones who are judgy. Isn't that sad? So sad that the church has a reputation of being judgmental. Because... We try to put restrictions on people who aren't even saved.
1: Right? That's like me
0: trying to tell your child what to do. That doesn't fly. That's not my child. Me trying to tell somebody else what to do if they're not even a child of God is foolishness. Hey. <laughs> right? I mean, you have to have, you have, to have relationship with God. Before you can start saying, well, these are things I'm going to do. These are things I'm not going to do. Right? Uh, A lady at our our South Slito campus, uh, her name is Star. Incredible uh, uh, young woman. I mean, just doing fabulous for the Lord. has been serving the Lord faithfully for about three, three and a half years. And she said she tried this church thing for years. And she would get on and fall off and get on and fall off. And she said she, she said she would try to do good. Like she would try to get off drugs. She would try to stop drinking. And she would do all these things. And then she would find herself going back. I said, well, Star, you know, you've been serving the Lord now for about three and a half years. What changed? She said, relationship is what changed. She said, it wasn't about me trying to do all these things. She said, I actually have a relationship with God now. Come on, somebody. Because relationship is what happens, right? When you have a relationship with somebody, you don't want to offend them. I mean, if you truly love God, I mean, truly love him with all of your heart, you don't want to offend him. So, you're, so if you withstand from sin, it's not because you found religion. It's not because you want to look good in front of people. It's because you want to please your father. And that is the, that is the true thing. Because you can look good in front of everybody. I can look good in front of all of you guys and go home and be a complete hot mess. But you know what? I couldn't hide it because my wife would tell all y'all. <laughs> you know she would. <laughs> but when I'm in relationship with God, I want to do what's right before him even if nobody's looking. Right? When I'm all by myself. Because I love him. I love, I love what... I love what um, Joseph said, he said when, when he had, a, he had uh, Potiphar's wife grab him by the shirt and say, have sex with me, lay with me, you know, whatever translation you're saying. I mean, could you imagine as a man having this, you know, and you're a single man, and you're a stud, because what it, he, was, he was a stud, I and mean, he was good looking, right? I mean, he was, think of like, I don't know, think of like Thor or something, I don't know, or, you know, Chris Hemingsworth, you know, can you imagine? I mean, you got that guy in a loincloth cleaning your house. Every day you're looking at him like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> seriously come on can we be can we be honest like she was looking at him he's she, he he's cleaning the house and she's like mm. and her husband was off doing his stuff and she came up it said every day she approached him have sex with me have sex with me this is come on And he said no 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 not gonna do it to one point he was out and they were alone she grabbed him by the cloak and said lay with me have sex with me and he said he said my master has withstained everything He's not, he's given me absolutely everything I've ever asked for. The only thing that he's withstained me from, the only thing he's, he's held back from me is you. He, and this is what he said. I love this. He says, Far be it from me not to sin against my God in that manner. Now, if he didn't have a relationship with God, any other man would be like, come on, baby, let's go. You know, like, like let's go hide behind the stable. We can do this, it'll be all hidden. Nobody will know. But he had a relationship with God, and he said, I'm not gonna sin against my God in this manner. I love that. I, I see that man. I see the integrity. I'm like, yes, Lord. That's, that's what I want my heart to be. That even if I'm, in, if I'm in the inclination of sin and sin is surrounding me and is trying to snare me and trap me, then I would say, God, I don't want to sin against you in this manner. And then what did he do? He said, he ran. He fled. <laughs> he ran. You know what? There's some sin you got to run from. <laughs> you got to run from it. Right? In the scriptures, I mean, I'm way off base, but here, let's keep going. In the scriptures, right, it says flee from youthful lust, right? Young men, that's not, the, that's not the sin you want to stand toe-to-toe with. Lust, perversion, sexual immorality, right? That's not the one you're like, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stand firm. No, run. <laughs> run. Run, baby, run. Just get out of there. Let go. Just flee. Run. You can't catch me because that ain't the one that you're going to win. That's not the one that I want to win. That's, I can't. I'm going to run. Because if I think I'm going to stand, if I'm going to try to stand against that thing, that thing is going to pounce on me, right? You still with me? Not about religion. It's not about looking good on the outside. It's not about performance and doing all the right things. The problem with the church is we try so hard to look good
1: on the outside. We try so hard. I don't want to look good on the outside. I want to be
0: godly. I want to be godly on the inside. Jesus rebuked those who tried to look good on the outside, didn't he? He rebuked them. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. You guys stay with me? He says, Whoa. (laughs) Sorry. I'm a 90s kid. I used to watch Saved by the Bell. Every time I see woe, I think of Joey. (laughs) He's like, whoa. You know, I just. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewash tomb, which it's highlighted. You look beautiful on the outside. You look good. But on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Meaning their hearts were full of, of, of perversion and wickedness. They were hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who says they do one thing, but they actually do another. Right? So so the Pharisees were telling them to do all of these, right? There's 613 Levitical or uh, uh, Jewish laws. So they're telling them to do all of the laws, follow every rule and regulation, yet themselves they're breaking them. Say hypocrite. Look at your neighbor, say hypocrite. No, don't don't do that. No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't, Don't do that. They were looking good on the outside, but on the inside, God knows. God saw the heart. So Paul talks about this whole thing. He talks about the law versus the Spirit. Right? You go through the book of Romans, it's going to talk about these things. It's going to talk about the law and how it's... like. And he actually uses terms like this. He he says, when he's talking about the law, he says, the, the law wants to keep us subjected. The law wants to actually keep us, and he uses this term, slaves. And he says, and then he goes on, he says, where the Spirit wants us to be free. So the law wants to keep us slaves, but the Spirit wants to set us free. And again, the law is following the do's and the don'ts. right? Like I said, there's 613 Jewish laws that they used to have to follow, and where the Spirit is about personal interaction and engagement. So the law, again, the law is not... What's in the Bible, what I'm talking about, where it says, do not be deceived. It says, you know, it's not, you know, like sexual immorality, forgiveness, murder. We're not talking about those. Those are obviously sins, right? We're talking about all of the things they had. They did like ceremonial washing and, and, and that, you know, and they had to keep the Sabbath where they weren't allowed to work. I mean, like all of these things they had to try to follow. But the spirit brings freedom and liberty. And this is the thing. The cool thing is that, you know what Jesus said? The law was given, this is the thing. Now, the law isn't bad. The law was given to the Jewish people so that they may be set apart from others. Okay? That's the whole reason for it. So God, right, God gave them, he gave them right, right, the Torah, gave them the Levitical law, gave them all of these things so that as a people group, they could be set apart. Jesus came for that. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. So we don't have to follow all of like, the, the, the rules and the regulations. All we have to do is follow Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to say amen right there. Because that's freedom right there. And you know, and I've, I've been in debates with people who are like trying to, they try to say you know, that following Jesus, you have to still follow the Levitical law and the law of Moses and all this other stuff. And if that's how you want to fo- uh, uh, you know, if that's how you want to Keep your life, if that's what you feel like, what you need to do to follow Jesus, then you do that. But don't start teaching that stuff like that's what everyone has to do. Come on. Because you, you can go on YouTube, you can find those people. They'll say, in order for you to, you know, if you really, if you really want, they, they, they make it sound so good. If you really want to walk in obedience, then you need to obey the law. <laughs> this is why Paul has like complete books about this debate, because the early church, that's what they were doing, they were like, they were still trying to follow the law, and they were trying to follow Christ, and, they're, and, they, and they don't, call, right, right, they, 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 they clash against each other. So, I mean, you'd be in conflict if you're trying to follow Jesus and the grace that's through Christ, and then you're trying to follow all the do's and don'ts. Thank you for Jesus, right? Thank you for Jesus. I mean, really, if you, I mean, if you really want to follow the law, then you still need to sacrifice. If you want to get down to it, you, you know, if you want to follow the wall, the law, the way you're supposed to, then you need to be giving offerings to the Lord. Guilt offerings, sin offerings, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please don't be bringing your chickens to church, please. We, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not doing that here. <laughs> it's not happening. You know, I think, uh, so, you know, another, another, uh, Modern-day equivalent, you know, when he's talking about the eating and drinking debate, would be like, you know, there's some people that have a hard time with the word Easter. Do you know that? they say, don't call it Easter. Call it Resurrection Sunday, which is great. Call it whatever you want to. I'm good with it. You know, Resurrection Sunday, I love it, right? But if I go to, if I go to my family, who don't go to church, and I'm like, hey, come join us for Resurrection Sunday, they're going to be like, what is that? But if I say to my unchurched family, come join us for Easter. They know what Easter is. And they're going to come, right? And we're going to fill up the tent. So, so people, they sometimes get hung up on words, right? I mean, I mean when you stand before the Lord, is he going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You said the right Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday, by golly. Heaven forbid. All of heaven knew we weren't calling that thing Easter. Again, you know, like, 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 just you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be funny, but let's hear, let's, let's separate kind of like what they did in the New Testament when they said, if you're abstaining from meat, don't look at the person who's eating meat and judge them, and if you're eating meat, don't go dangling your little chicken wings over to the people who are not eating meat, and in the same way, there are some people in their belief and in their heart they feel like if they celebrate. Easter, that is of the devil. And, and if you want to abstain from that, seriously, like we would have people at our South Central campus that would not come to church on Easter Sunday because of the term Easter. That's cool. Please, don't be, don't be telling all of your friends that Easter service is of the devil. But if you feel like you have to restrain yourself from that service because the word Easter offends you, that's fine. And now I'm not going to go there and be like, Easter service. I'm not going to be texting them showing them my golden eggs that my kids are winning. You know what I mean? Like seriously like right? So like real quick. So like the person who, you know, they're like, "You know what? I'm not going to worship this with it. Right? I'm not going to worship a pagan holiday. I'm not going to worship a pagan god. I'm not going to do all of that and I'm going to restrain myself from celebrating Easter." But instead of getting chocolate bunnies, now you're giving them chocolate crosses. But that's fine, okay? I, I know, I know. It's kind of funny. But it's, but it's fine, right? Cadbury eggs? Come on, man. You can't get rid of those. <laughs> right? So if they're, if they're abstaining from that, I'm not going to look down at them. Because in their hearts, they believe that's a pagan holiday, and I don't want to worship a pagan god. So in their hearts, their, their, their heart is, is believing we're honoring God by not participating. That's great. Well, other people out here were like, we don't worship pagans. We don't worship the Easter bunny. We worship Jesus, and I just want my kids to have free candy. <laughs> and that's their belief, right? Like, we're going to love on Jesus on this day. We're going to worship him. We're going to celebrate he who's resurrected. Uh, you know, this is the day we choose to celebrate his resurrection. Which is wrong, which is right? You may have your own bu- viewpoint, but didn't it just say, let's not have a uh, What did it it just say? (laughs) Right? That we're not going to be fighting over these things. We're not going to argue over opinions. Right? Because that's what it is. Right? That's what it is. There's some people, they believe in their Christian walk, that they want to follow the Jewish traditions, and they want to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles. Great, that's awesome, do that. But don't tell everybody that they have to do that to be saved. Come on, somebody. You got to say amen right there. (laughs) Because then what we're doing is we're putting restrictions on people. It's just like in the New Testament where they're like, in order for you to be saved, you got to be circumcised. Praise God, I was circumcised as a baby, right? (laughs) I didn't have that choice. It was made for me. But if there's a person that isn't circumcised, are we going to say now, well, you have to be circumcised? Come on, somebody. It is ridiculous. Look at your neighbor and say, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But ain't this true? I mean, this is true, right? This is the church, right? This is the stuff we fight about on Facebook and Instagram and make YouTube videos of, And then we look like complete morons because the world sits back, looks at us, argue, and say, and that's why I'm not in the church. And that's why I'm not a Christian. And that's because I don't want to be a part of that foolishness. Because the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. So let's get into that. You ready to get into that? I know I'm going to skip past all this stuff. We're going to get right into that. Kingdom of God is about righteousness, right? The kingdom of God is righteousness. What is righteousness? It is a huge word, which just means being in right standing with God. So if you hear the word righteousness, there's a definition under it. Being in right standing with God. And then I got a bunch of scripture. You ready for it? All right. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says this, right? So, <laughs> oh. Okay, here we go. Isaiah chapter 64 verse, sorry, I laughed because you're going to hear why I'm going to laugh here. Verse 6, it says, it says, all of us become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, like the wind of our sins swept us away. Now, I laugh because the NIV is so cute in saying, like filthy rags. It's so cute. Look at it, say cute. So cute. I mean, it's just so soft. Because you know what that word actually means in the Hebrew? That word filthy rag could be translated to the word maxi pad because what it's saying right this the word has to do with a woman's menstrual cycle so it's saying our righteous acts right us trying to do all of these things to to try right our, our righteousness our acts of righteousness to god look like maxi pads right i mean so in the in the in the jewish culture they used to have it was a minstrel rag is what they would call it. So that term is a minstrel rag. So think of that. That's why I laugh. Because I'm, I'm just like, Isaiah. I mean, I mean <laughs> comparing our trying to do all these works to a maxi pad. You know? And obviously it's the word of the Lord. And, and so, so righteousness is not our works. Say it's not our works. It's not our works. This is why we Romans chapter 13, verse 14, right? But rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Friends, what our righteousness is, isn't doing all of the good stuff. Righteousness being in right standing with God is actually you clothing yourself with Jesus. That's what righteousness is. I mean, they sing it in some of them old hymns, right? That righteousness is what? Christ in me. It's not what I do and look good on the outside. Come on, someone. That's good. Now, you do the stuff. You do good acts. You serve people. You love people because you love your father, not because you're trying to build a righteousness credentialing. Right? You're not trying to put you know, money into your righteous bank account. Sorry. Sorry. I get these visual pictures, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I laugh to myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see God. What did I say? Righteousness is being in right standing with God, right? So it's, so it's you. You putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You clothing yourself with Christ. You being in communion with your heavenly Father. And so when you actually commune with Christ, when you clothe yourself with Christ, you become holy because of what Christ has done. Right? Amen? I'm teaching good doctrine here, friends. Because still people get this thing mixed up. They feel like they have to, they have to serve and do and, 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 and act good and all this other stuff. And it's all about Christ. God himself said to Jesus before he performed any miracle, this is my, this is my son in whom I love, with him I'm I'm uh, my beloved son, with him I'm well pleased. He didn't even do anything yet. And that's how it is, friends, when, when we surrender ourselves to, to the Lord and we and we put on Christ and we, we love on him and he loves on us back, friends, our holiness is, is because of him being in us. And it says this in 1 Peter, this is actually pretty scary. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 18. This is the New Living Translation. It says, and also, if the righteous are barely saved. What? That'll preach. You want to chew on something for the rest of the, of your, of your, of the summer? Right? If you, if you are righteous, if you're in right standing, and you're the best one in the group, you're barely saved. Barely. Look at your neighbor say, barely. Barely. <laughs> barely. Barely. <laughs> barely saved. What? I mean, you're just like getting in, just barely. Right? Have you ever had that? Have, I mean, that's like, like when you go into, I think of like when I'm standing in the line at, at uh, Cedar Point and they're ca- counting them all, right? And they're counting them all. And you're coming up to that line and you're like, please, please, right before they cut you off. And you're like, the last one. You're like, ah, sucker. Barely, right? Barely, you just made it in. <laughs> Come on, you know you've been there, right? Because you know, like, when they're coming in, you're like, come on, come on, come on. And they stop it right in front of you, you're like, oh, no, no, i got to wait another 15 minutes. He says, the righteous are barely saved. And then he goes on to say, what will happen to godless sinners? Another translation will say, uh, what chances do sinners have? The righteous are barely saved. Colossians, you say with me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, for he has rescued us. From the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow. Wow, God. Thank you. Thank you. You were a part of the kingdom of darkness before Christ. Well, I was a good person.
1: In your own mind, you were. Right? I never killed anybody. But did you lie?
0: Yeah. Or did you look at a person with lust? Yeah. You ever say the Lord's name in vain? Yeah. Well, then you just broke three of the commandments. <laughs> but I'm a good person. Yeah, you might be. You might think you're good, but but your actions, my actions, was were totally offensive to God. Ooh, got all quiet in here. It's tight, but it's right. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse, five, verse 50. I love the scriptures because, like I said, I'm not preaching my opinions, friends. The scripture preaches itself. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 50 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It don't matter how good you do your stuff. You could be the absolute best servant in this church. You could serve, serve, serve. I mean, you could serve until your hands fall off. Right.
1: Until your feet fall off. But if you aren't in.
0: Intimate communion with, the, with our Father. Your righteous acts are filthy rags. They're not going to save you. You're not going to say, but God, I did all this good. So it's righteousness. Okay, let's continue on. Peace. Okay, here we go. The kingdom of God is of peace. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace. Mark chapter 4, verse 39 says, Then he rose and rebuked the winds and waves and said to the sea. I love that song. Peace be still. Peace be still. Say the word, Lord, and it will. Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The God of peace. Right? It's of righteousness, right standing with God. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, of peace. You can, you can, uh, Be in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the waves, in the middle of the crashing of of things that are coming upon your life, and do you know that you can have peace? Because your peace isn't circumstantial. Your peace is not relied on your income. Your peace doesn't rely on your marriage. Your peace doesn't rely on your children. Your peace doesn't rely on your home. Your peace doesn't rely on your car. All of these things can affect and cause us to obviously not have peace, But if you truly have peace in the depths of your soul, it's because you have clung to the rock. Jesus Christ. And when things are shaken, you're not shaken. Right? When you blow out a tire, you don't go off and binge, do a three-day binge on crack, because you blew a tire out. (laughs) I mean, it's funny, but that's what happens, right? Because you didn't put your peace on the rock. (laughs) Right? If somebody breaks in and and steals your car or, or... or your house burns to the ground. You can actually have peace in the middle of your storm because your security was not found on that house. It was on Jesus. You guys with me? Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Check this out. This will blow your mind. Blows my mind. It says this. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. What? What? will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It transcends our understanding. That blows my mind. Mind blown. You can have peace which transcends your, your ability to try to think about it. That's why, I mean, have you ever had like terrible things happen in your life and you're just like, I'm okay with this. And people have said, What? what is going on? How are you? Because you're like, because I have Jesus. And yeah, my circumstance sucks. But Christ has been faithful and he's going to get me through this. Come on, somebody. John 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The world offers peace, but it's circumstantial, right? Well, if you got, you know, if your finances are in order, you'll be at peace, right? If you're, I don't know i got to keep going. we got to move on here. I can sit here and talk about stuff. So, righteousness, peace, third one here. My favorite. Joy in the Holy Spirit what I named our, our message on. If you are serving the Lord and you are cranky, it's time to get free. Right. Seriously, like, there should be no reason for crankiness in the kingdom of God. Why are you so cranky? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, get some more sleep. <laughs> Because truly, if you are a part of the kingdom of God, there is joy in being in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, as someone who's tried different drugs and tried different situations and different scenarios, and once I encountered Christ and encountered the spirit of the Lord, friends, I haven't went back because of the joy that is in God. Seriously, friends, before I committed my life fully to Christ, I had an encounter with God when I was like 16 years old, 17 years old. I think I was 17 years old. 17, 18 years old, I don't know. And I remember going home, and I had this thing inside of me, this feeling of happiness and joy. It was the Holy Spirit. I was telling my friends, I'm like, look, you need to come to church. I was saying this, because you can get high for free. I didn't even know what it was. But it was joy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'm bringing, like, all my druggies to, to, to church. They're all getting touched by God, and some of them came to Christ, and some of them went back. But, but, but there was, I didn't even know how to explain it, because there is joy in the Holy Spirit. There's joy in the Lord. One of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on, somebody. So good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, But you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I've got J-O-Y. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? I mean, come on, someone. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And then it goes on to say more. So that you may overflow (laughs) with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: Wow. I haven't read a single scripture that says you need to be
0: a cranky Christian. You obviously haven't experienced the same God that I've experienced. If you don't have joy in this thing. If you don't have joy in serving the Lord, then then why serve? But sometimes, you know what happens? Sometimes our well gets dry. Sometimes we get exhausted. Sometimes we need a fresh fill up. That's why it says in the book of Acts, it says that that times of refreshing will come upon you. Because there's times we're tired. Right? If you're serving the Lord, if you're pouring out your life for your family, I mean if you're working 60 to 80 hours to try to provide for your family, if you're just exhausted, if you're pouring yourself out, times of refreshing will come upon you. You need to have a time where you say, "God, I'm empty. I feel exhausted." Lord, I trust your word, and God, I just need to be filled again with your joy and your peace. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So just ask him, say, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. God, will you, as your word says in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, God, would you fill me with all joy and peace? Come on, someone. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the the door will be open for you. That's all we have to do. Acts chapter 13, verse 52 says, And the disciples, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We need his presence. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amending of this, put up this last slide here. In the book of Psalms, there are tons. Tons. I mean, Psalm 47, 32, 48, 71, 100. 35, 66, 47, 33, 42, 81, 95, 118, and 20 more. 20 more verses. Probably more than that. Where it says to shout for joy. Yeah. <laughs> not shout for grumpiness. Not shout at your spouse. Not shout at your child. Not shout at the person who cut you off. But to shout for joy. There's something that can—I don't know why. It just works. There's just something spiritually significant when you, as a person, out of the abundance of your mouth, proclaim the goodness of God to God in a loud fashion. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know how it works. I don't know. I, I don't know the science. I don't. All I know. As there have been times I've been the grumpy Christian. And, I, and, and I've needed a breakthrough, right? Needed a breakthrough. And I'm like, I go into my back room, and I crank on the worship music, and I just start dancing before the Lord with no one looking, right? I don't need an audience. Right. And, and, and I just say, yes, Lord, hallelujah, praise your name. Thank you, God. I love you. You're so faithful. And I start declaring shouts of joy. I'm going to tell you, friends, 100% of the time, I leave those settings feeling better. And I don't know why. Other than I'm following the scripture that says, shout for joy. Shout for joy. Shout for joy, all the earth. Shout, shout for joy. You know, and then, I mean, just so many verses about shouting. And so, I don't know. You guys are pretty conservative in here. I mean, what would happen if we just took a moment and just did a little shout? Would you guys <laughs> what do you guys think? You wanna try it? You wanna give it a little shout? Alright, let's do it. Let's try it. Why not? Oh, we got like one more minute. Let's go. So let's just, you know, you're sitting, you're we're ending this sermon here. Come to the end. Let's just obey his word for a moment. All right? Let's just entertain what his word says. And I'm gonna ask you to probably do something that's outside of your comfort zone, right? Right. If you are shy like me, you probably don't let anyone hear when you talk. Maybe you're soft spoken, like my daughter. And so if I was to say, shout hallelujah, she'd be like, Hallelujah, like real quiet. But I'm gonna ask you (laughs) to do something outside of your comfort zone. And if it is and if you if you're loud, then then you're just like, Woohoo, yay, I'm in my environment. I'm in my environment. This is my people. I like being loud. Let's, let's entertain the Lord for a moment. Let's just, you know, one of the words that they usually shout is the word hallelujah. You even see, and another word that they shout, you see this, they shout this in the scripture is hosanna. Right? Hosanna. They shout it. Hosanna. Shouting it. So, let's, we're going to try both. We'll do, we're just going to take a moment, and I just want you just I mean, maybe you have to stand up because it, it'll help you. Yeah, it'll, it'll just help. It'll help you just shout. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever done this before, so bear with me. This is not, we don't do this every Sunday. So let's just try this. So we're going to do them both. Let's do, we'll, we'll, we'll do one, two, three. That way everybody can do it together. And we'll just say, hallelujah, and just hold it out. Don't just say, hallelujah, and then end it. Say, hallelujah, and try to hold it out for like five seconds. I don't know. So just give you, let's just try. I don't know. Let's just try it. I think, I think after this little bitty exercise, I think some people are going to leave happy. I don't know. And maybe it's happy because you're like, that dude's an idiot. Or maybe you're going to leave happy because you're gonna like, man, that doesn't make me feel better for some reason. And then after that, we're going to do the Hosanna. So we'll do that. So, ready? I, it's, I want it to be fluid, but I have to give you instructions. So it's okay. So, <laughs> here we go. You ready? Okay. We're going to do hallelujah on the count of three. One, One, two three, hallelujah, come on, yeah, come on, now let's try hosanna, let's try that one, ready to try hosanna, so you can say hosanna, you can say hosanna in the highest, you can, however you want to do it, just, just, we're going to shout hosanna, so, we'll try it again, we'll do the count of three, that's just the best way to do it, I think, ready, one, two, three, hosanna, hosanna in the highest, Yes Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you God for how amazing you are. We thank you God that Father that you give joy. You give peace. God, we thank you that Father that our righteousness is of you, God. We thank you that you are so faithful. God, we thank you that you are so amazing. Lord, we just declare your faithfulness, God, over our lives, over our family over the city, over our country, over our nation. And Lord, I pray for every person in this place. Lord, I pray that God, if we need joy, God, thank you that your word says we can ask. If we need peace, God, thank you. Your word says we can ask. Lord, thank you that we see in scriptures that they were filled with joy and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, God, would you open the floodgates of heaven even this morning? And, Lord, would you pour fresh and anew on each of your sons and your daughters? God, would you wash away every fear? Would you wash away, God, God, every uh, insecurity, every lie of the enemy? God, would you wash away, God, God, all of our anxiety and frustration? And, Lord, we, would you remind us of your great faithfulness? Lord, would you give us that peace that surpasses, that transcends our understanding? God, that we can walk in the joy of the lord as you have called us to as your sons and your daughters because you've adopted us into your family in the name of jesus and god right now would you wash condemnation away god would you wash away thoughts of suicide and depression god would you wash away god uh god uh um, self-deprecating thoughts right now in the name of jesus the righteous man falls seven times he gets back up he makes mistakes but god we are just standing again firmly wholeheartedly on your word, Lord. And we declare we love you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.